everyone. It's nice to be with you again at Airdrie, and especially to be here and share in this very moving service. Uh, the Lord bless you indeed. Uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, and uh, I'll shorten the reading just slightly. We'll read from verse 36 through to verse 44, Luke 19, 36 to 44, and this is the, the Palm Sunday story. As Jesus rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of Him. When He reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of His followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not accept your opportunity for salvation. Amen. The story is told of a man whose home was on the border between the North and the South during the American Civil War. And when war broke out, he didn't want to take sides, so he thought he'd come up with an ingenious plan. Uh, he decided that he would wear uh, a Confederate Army jacket and Union Army pants. And he thought he would be safe, but he ran into terrible trouble because the Union soldiers shot at his jacket and the Confederates shot him in the pants. And the lesson he learned was this. It's very important to be clear about your commitment and where your allegiance lies. Now, we're celebrating here in the church a thank offering Sunday, expressing our thanks to God for all that He has done for us and we're also thanking God for the, the local church of which we're a part and praying for God's blessing to rest upon it. And uh, on, on Palm Sunday, as Jesus came into Jerusalem, the people were praising God for what God had done and thanking Him uh, for all that He had done and acclaiming Jesus as He entered into the city on the back of a donkey. And uh, in both situations, we have things to learn about commitment. Commitment to God and commitment to His kingdom. 
And the question really that we ask is, is our commitment to Jesus as individuals and as a church a deep commitment, or is it shallow or, and superficial? Are we living in complete dependence on God, or are we relying on our own resources? Have we taken seriously the call to Christian discipleship in Luke 9.23, where Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. Are we taking up our cross daily? Are we shouldering that cross? And are we wholly committed to serving Jesus Christ? Lord Shaftesbury, the 19th century Christian social reformer, tried to express his commitment to a life of spiritual excellence. And he said this, perish all things so that Christ be magnified. Do we want to make the Lord Jesus great in our lives? Then we must put to death those things that become obstacles to that. We must live out our lives wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ. The events of Palm Sunday challenge us to test the quality of our spiritual commitment. As we read this story and think about it, the first thing that we see is the shallow commitment of the crowds. Matthew, in his account of this event, says in Matthew 21, 8, most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. He was in the center of the procession, and the crowds all around him were shouting, praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven." Do you know, it's always exciting to be part of a, a great gathering of people, whether you're going to Murrayfield to watch Scotland, well, to watch Scotland, not always win, quite often lose, but isn't it wonderful to be part of the crowds at an event like that, or to go to Hamden and watch Scotland play? Uh, to be part of a, a great crowd, it generates enthusiasm and excitement. And you know, the same is true of Christians in their spiritual life who like to be part of a big church. You know, to be part of a, a, a great company of people, it's, it, people are drawn to that. They're, they're not, not so drawn to be part of a smaller church. They want to be in the big place where lots of things appear to be happening because it generates excitement and enthusiasm. But when things don't go well in our lives, then our commitment is tested. Our commitment to Jesus Christ is tested when we face times of trial and difficulty and struggle. As Jesus came into Jerusalem, the crowds were ecstatic, enthusiastic in their acclaim. But Jesus was not deceived by the acclaim of the crowds. 
He knew it for what it really was. It was just a superficial commitment of the moment generated by the emotional experience of being part of an excitable crowd. The people acknowledged him as the son of David, as the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and yet Matthew 21.10 says that when the people in the city heard those who were coming down the Mount of Olives with Jesus shouting, and they asked, who is this? The crowd answered, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Despite their loud and lavish praise, Jesus, they said, was just the prophet, not the Son of God, not the Savior, not the Messiah, and Jesus was not fooled for a moment by their cheering. He knew that many of those voices that were shouting Hosanna that Palm Sunday would on Good Friday be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. So he was not deceived. The question really that I want us to ask ourselves is, is our commitment to Jesus, shallow and superficial, like that of the Palm Sunday crowds. They wanted Jesus for what Jesus could give them, not for what they could give Him. They wanted Jesus as long as Jesus was performing the miracles, as long as He was doing dramatic things that uh, caused people to be astonished. They wanted Jesus. But this issue of taking up a cross and bearing a cross, that wasn't something that figured in their calculations at all. And Jesus was all right as long as Jesus was doing the interesting things and the safe things. But it was not all right if they were imperiled, if they had to take up a cross, if they had to experience suffering or oppression. Walking the way of the cross may be necessary for Jesus, but they didn't want it for their lives. They would follow as long as Jesus delivered the goods. Wealth, health, success, happiness, as long as Jesus provided all those things, they would follow. But if a trial or a test cast a shadow over their lives, if things suddenly weren't going smoothly and life became difficult and hard, as the old Scots saying goes, they disappeared like snow off a dike. They were gone. It's amazing how many Christians disappear from a local church when times of challenge and difficulty come, their commitment to that local church in reality has only been shallow and superficial. Only there when things are going fine and they don't have to face challenges. Luke contrasts the superficial commitment of the cheering crowds with the sacrificial commitment of the Savior. Verse 41, he says this, As they came closer to Jerusalem 
and Jesus saw the city ahead, he began to weep. I wish that even today you would find the way of peace. But now it's too late, and peace is hidden from you. As Jesus entered into the city where he would so soon suffer and die a cruel death on the cross, we see Jesus weeping. But the incredible thing is that the tears that he shed were not tears for himself. They weren't tears for the pain and the suffering that he was about to endure. They were tears for others. He shed tears as he entered Jerusalem for you and me, for people. The first thing that we see is that he wept for the spiritual lostness of the people. Israel had lost her way. Jesus had earlier on called her spiritual leaders blind guides and blind fools. They no longer had any ability to discern spiritual truth. The people were floundering helplessly in a spiritual vacuum. Matthew 9, 36 we're told that Jesus felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so as Jesus entered into Jerusalem that Palm Sunday, tears came down his cheeks as he wept for the spiritual lostness of the people. As Jesus journeys into Airdrie this Palm Sunday, the tears are still there for the lost, for those who do not know how to find salvation, for those who have never committed their lives to Him, for those who are under the righteous judgment of a holy God, the tears flow down his cheeks today for all in Airdrie who are outside of his family of grace. And I wonder, this Palm Sunday, are there any tears on our cheeks for our neighbors, for our family members, for our friends, for our colleagues, who don't know how to be saved, to find the way to salvation. Jesus wept because of the spiritual lostness of the people and he went to the cross at Calvary to make the ultimate sacrifice by dying in our place, by bearing our punishment, by paying the penalty. The price is paid. Come. Jesus says, come, let us enter in. Come into his family. He wept for the spiritual lostness of the people. 
He also wept for the moral confusion of the people. He said that he didn't know, they didn't know how to find the way to peace. He helped people like Mary Magdalene and Zacchaeus and countless others, the blind man, the man who was paralyzed, who was lowered down through the ceiling. He, he reached out and he touched their lives and he transformed their lives and turmoil was brought to an end and they experienced his peace. But he wept as he came into Jerusalem for those who didn't know how to find the way of peace. Their lives were in complete disarray. They were hurting. They were bruised. They were broken by the circumstances of life. And he wept for them. Yes, he wept for those who were moral failures and social outcasts. He was the one who was associated with the tax collectors and the sinners. And he, he was glad to be associated with them, but he was also the one who was associated with the moral, upright people like Nicodemus, others. Because, you see, there's moral confusion in all our lives. And he said this in Matthew 9, 12, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do, for I've come to call sinners, not those who think they're already good enough. And there were plenty of folks there on that Palm Sunday who thought they were good enough. Jesus knew the reality. He knew their moral confusion within and he wept for them. Through the sacrifice that he was to make on the cross of Calvary, broken lives could be transformed and healed. Sinners could become saints. Moral and spiritual confusion could be transformed into spiritual certainty. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he suffered there for us. So that we might find the way to peace and wholeness again. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore, for the old life is gone. A new life has begun. But for those who were still in turmoil and had not become new creations in Christ, the tears coursed down his cheeks. And he wept also for the personal rejection of the people. Verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. But you wouldn't let me. 
Isaiah the prophet foresaw the rejection of people. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with bitterest grief. He could have turned his back on those who rejected him, and he could have walked away from the agony of the cross, but he loved us so much he would not do it, and yet you would not let me. Jesus reaches out to us this Palm Sunday. He wants to draw us into the safety of his heavenly family, and yet you would not let me. Are there any this morning who will not let Jesus draw them into the safety of the heavenly fold? He loved us so much, he made the ultimate sacrifice. He went to the cross and died there for you and me. This is real love, says the Apostle John. It's not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's real commitment. God's commitment to us, Jesus' commitment to us. And as we think about His commitment to us, that took him all the way to Calvary. As we think about the tears he shed for us in our spiritual lostness and in our need, how do we respond? How do we measure up? As we reflect on Jesus' commitment, what are we doing in terms of our commitment to him? This Palm Sunday, as Jesus enters again into Airdrie, are there tears coursing down his cheeks? As he sees us, is he weeping over our shallow commitment? Is he weeping, perhaps, over our spiritual lostness? Is he weeping over our moral confusion? Is he weeping? over our personal rejection. We sang the hymn, Ride on, ride on in majesty. Jesus rode on into Jerusalem and went all the way to the cross for us. He invites us to come to Him, to be committed to Him, and this morning, is he saying, yet you would not? You wouldn't come to me to be saved? Change that, if that's the case. And open up your heart. Be committed 100% to following and serving this Lord Jesus who committed himself 100% to going to the cross to save you. Amen.